It's a challenge to consider rest when the work of the ministry God has called us to is so vitally important. And yet, the fact remains that the God who calls us to work is the God who calls us to rest. So, is God's commandment for Sabbath simply a suggestion for you? Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for joining me for Hope Renewed. I'm Tom Jameson, and this is the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. It's where we explore the issues and situations that can put pastors at risk and share hope when ministry leaves us hopeless. For this episode of Hope Renewed, we are continuing in a message given by Roy Yankee, Executive Director of PIR, on living according to God's Sabbath principle. In this part of the message, Roy looks at Leviticus chapter 25, outlining the principles which God's people ultimately failed to live by. He encourages us to embrace God's culture of rest in our lives. Here's Roy. In the passage that we read this morning, uh, we kind of get a glimpse of uh, God's idea of a healthy culture. So we live in a culture of hurry. We all feel it. Drags us down, whips us around. But in the passage we read, we, we get that picture of what God intended a culture that was rooted in him to look like in the terms of their patterns of life. According to the instructions that God gave in this passage in Leviticus, the observance of the Sabbath year involves several things. And this was something that Israel was supposed to observe every seven years. Side note, they never did. And if the math is correct, and some believe it is, that when God took Israel into captivity as punishment for their sins, and not just the sins that they committed in terms of idolatry and the rejection of the Lord, but also the sin of not observing the Sabbath year. You count the years up, they made up those seven years in the years of captivity. So God intended them to rest, and he had to take them outside of the land into a different land in order to accomplish that. So, it involves several things. First, the land must lie fallow and be given its rest. No plowing, no harvesting. The seventh year, the crops could not be planted, and those crops which were permanent, things like grapes and olive trees and other things that were sustainable, were not to be pruned or cared for as they were in the other six years. The annual crops would reseed themselves, and thus there would be grain and the perennial plants would continue to bear fruit. But no harvests, in terms of the economic side of harvests, were allowed during the Sabbath year. The crops were not to be harvested for sale. This didn't prohibit the people from eating the crops that existed, the perennials, the things that were there without their work being added to it. In fact, all the people, especially the poor, and even the animals could eat in the fields, whatever the land produced. 
And as an additional part of this, rather than having the corners of the fields in which to glean their crops, the poor could eat from any portion of the field. Israel had been charged with the idea of not harvesting to the margins. There's a real good um, analogy there for our lives. I find myself harvesting to the margins in my life a lot of times, right out to the edges. But God said to Israel in terms of the agricultural culture in which they lived, they weren't to harvest out to the margins, and that was to be left for the poor and anybody passing by, the travelers, the temporary residents. In the Sabbath year, the entire field was left, and anybody could eat from what was there without worry. All of this was to demonstrate that they lived under the providential care of God, that God actually was their provider, and that he would supply their needs. There's a pattern in Scripture upon which this Sabbath year is built, and which is a part of it. It is a pattern of work and rest. It is the rhythm of work and rest that's built into the creation from the beginning. I like the word rhythm. Um, musical family, obviously. All right. Some of us have uh, learned about and practiced spiritual disciplines. I like the word rhythm a little better. Rhythm is the ordered alternation of contrasting elements. And so... The pattern, the rhythm that God established from the beginning was what? Work and rest. Work and rest. Contrasting elements. And it wasn't trying to balance those things because balance is stasis, right? Rhythm is walking into that ordered alternation that God has built in from the very creation. And so at its most basic level, this pattern of work and rest starts every day. Remember in the creation story, the pattern that we see? And the morning and evening were the first day. I have a hard time stopping my day. Deb and I have worked out with some bit of struggle on my part. The fact that when she comes home from work at 5 o'clock, and I'm still sitting at my computer at 5.30 answering emails and getting the next thing done, that she has the right to yell at me. And I'm working on backing that off and knowing that there's this, this rhythm that needs to happen in my life daily, work and rest. There's a time to stop, to draw the line, say enough is enough. That's the most basic pattern. Then weekly, God built into that the seventh day, the Sabbath day, part of the Ten Commandments, part of what God has intended by the Spirit of God through Christ to write on our hearts. Don't forget that. Some people believe that observing a Sabbath is just a rule, and there have been extremes and excuses for not doing it. I get that. But do not forget that part of the Ten Commandments that God established is the rest of the seventh day, and he intended to write that on our hearts by his Spirit. So 52 days out of the year, that's probably not correct according to the lunar calendar, but anyway, for our purposes, 52 days a year, Israel was to stop. 
one day was set aside for rest, for worship, for being recreated. Yearly, Israel observed festivals that were Sabbaths to the Lord. Eighteen days, including two week-long festivals. And and interesting enough, attached to every one of those is the idea that they were to actually enjoy those times. So for an average Israelite, 70 days a year were set aside for rest, intentionally. And every seven years, a whole year was set aside for rest. No work. Stop. Now, if you do the math, all of us have basically the same amount of days in our year in this culture and the time that we live. But I will guarantee you that if your life is anything like mine, your days off, the rest that you are called and should enjoy, looks anything like that. My days off sometimes can look almost as busy, if not more, than the work days that I observe. So what are the implications? Daily, weekly, and throughout the year, God had put into the pattern of the culture of Israel a reminder that he has provided for all they need for real life. Their work has been good, and I don't want you to miss this point. It is a rhythm of work and rest. Work is important. Work should be done well. We should lean into the work that God gives us. Israel was called to that. However, even in that, the outcomes of our work are where? In his hands. It is a gift to work with God, and it is a gift to rest in God. And we have learned to artificially work around this rhythm in so many ways, haven't we? Following on the agricultural theme, there used to be similar patterns in the culture in which we lived as an agrarian culture years ago. They followed a pattern of crop rotation, right? Farmers would plant and they would rotate their crops and then every, basically every seventh year, at least, if not more, a field would be allowed to lay fallow. They did that so that it would retain its nutrients, that the nutrients would be restored to the soil, that it would have time to rest and be healthy again, healthy soil, in order to produce crops the next time it was planted. Now, we've sidestepped the natural order of things through chemicals and fertilizers and all of the things that everybody's upset about now that exist in our food, right? There's artificial health in those fields, and the soil becomes increasingly dependent on those artificial means to be healthy and are, in fact, actually unhealthy. We, uh, we often create workarounds. In Isaiah 58, Israel was um, in trouble, and they knew that there was impending invasion. And so, as a, as a political sidestep, The leaders in Israel at the time that Isaiah wrote went down to another superpower, Egypt, and tried to form an alliance with them in order to protect themselves against the invading nation. If you read Isaiah chapter 58, there's a very significant passage in there that says uh, something to the effect that in rest is your salvation, 
but you would have none of it. They had slapped God in the face and his providential care and his sovereign care of them as a people by working around. We do this all the time in our lives. We create workarounds, excuses, rationalizations for not resting. It's challenging to consider embracing God's culture of rest, much less build our lives according to it. Where in your life do you work around that clear call from God? How are you avoiding God's pattern, his rhythm for life? What excuses do you make and tolerate? Psalm 62 includes that incredible refrain, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. Our hope is renewed when we embrace God's culture of rest and rest in Him alone. You can learn more about PIR Ministries at our webpage, pirministries.org. Please know we stand ready to serve you and pastors you know facing the uncertainty and pain of forced vocational transition. Thanks for listening to Hope Renewed. And remember, the hope of Christ does not put us to shame.